Well, what do we have here? After the long Thanksgiving weekend, it is time to get back to it. And quite frankly, I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, welcome to another edition of the WJR Sportsbook. Uh, my name is Steve Courtney, and I am joined, as always, uh, by my one and only partner, the uh, one and only Jamie Edmonds. Jamie. <laughs> Hi, Steve. Happy Monday. Yeah, back at you. Uh, how was the Thanksgiving for your group? Thanksgiving was great. What I am so grateful for is we could do both families together, my parents, my brother, with my husband's parents, his sisters, their kids. So we're just all together, and I love that. Uh, That is the absolute best, and might I point out, that's what it's all about. I was blessed to have my family up from Georgia, uh, my daughter, son-in-law, two grandsons, Miles and uh, Memphis, and my three-month-old granddaughter, Mela and uh how spent, sweet oh it was uh, a riot you talk about quality time uh and let me just point out i'm not in my 20s anymore but what are you gonna do <laughs> <laughs> god bless your daughter for flying and getting them all here well actually uh because of the situation with atlanta's airport and uh, many people listening probably know it is a sea of humanity they drive Correct. and Uh, They're to the point now that uh, they enjoy that because it takes all the craziness of uh, the world's busiest airport out of the equation. Okay. Uh, All right. So anyway, certainly hope you and yours uh, enjoyed the Thanksgiving holiday as well. Uh, Let me just point out the gut punch. And that's the last thing you need on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, The Honolulu Blue and Silver Detroit Lions. More on that coming up in just a bit. Meanwhile, introductions back at the golden tower uh we've got parker and the new new guy dan kahalen taking care of business this show put together as always by our fine producer mr nick roddy and uh we want to thank our wonderful friends at soaring eagle casino and resort for their support of the sports book and again jamie big news going on uh monday night december 11th this program will be originating from that wonderful place I'm excited about that. We haven't been there, you and I, together for, what, more than a year now. So we'll check it out. There's a new restaurant. Yes, and uh, hopefully uh, you know, we can talk to the right people and uh, maybe get into uh, Ruth Chris, and uh, we'll see. Anyway, uh, getting back to that Thanksgiving Day tilt, uh, there was a lot going on, obviously, uh, this Thanksgiving weekend uh, with the Lions and uh, college football and college hoops, and, and we'll get to all of it. Um, but let me just ask you this, Jane. Uh Lions fall hard, eight-and-a-half-point favorites, as a matter of fact. They fall to the Packers, 29-22. Uh, let's just cut to the chase. Are you rethinking your previous mentality about this Lions team? Uh, I'm concerned over the past couple games. I mean, they won in a shootout to the Chargers. They came back against the Bears, and then they lose to the Packers. So that's not a great trend that you had to, you know, come back against the Bears, et cetera. But I'm not ready to say, well, forget this team. No, I mean, look at it. Uh, they're 8-3. and three. And um, should they be better? Um, I, I, I think you could make that argument. Here's the concerning thing. And I'm a big Jared Goff guy. Uh, I'm all on board. But 
the raw data dictates that he has turned it over six times in the last two games. Now, listen, I know stuff happens in any given National Football League game. That's for sure. Um, But I think as a quarterback at that level, and he's been doing it a while, taking care of the football is your number one priority. That concerns me. Three fumbles uh, against the Packers. Anytime you turn it over at that clip, it's tough to win in the National Football League. Well, yeah, so he follows up the three-interception game with the three-fumble game. So it's not great, but I do think he's a professional. He's a really good quarterback, and he'll clean that up. I think the more concerning thing is what's up with the offensive line not giving him the time? We're used to them being awesome. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's interesting, uh, you know, just an aside. Uh, you know, Jonah Jackson, I think, has missed uh, the last five ball games or so. And Dan Campbell came out today and said he didn't think that Jonah Jackson would be playing against the Saints. And he went as far as to say, and it was interesting, uh, when Jonah tells us he can play, then he'll play. It kind of sounded, he had the knee situation. Uh, More recently, it's been a wrist issue. And it kind of sounded like Dan Campbell was kind of throwing his hands up saying, "I, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting thing to say. Usually you say, well, when we get the report from the medical professionals, he'll be in. Well, and Dan Gamble, uh, <laughs> if I can refer to him as that, um, maybe he learned a very good lesson. And listen, far be it from me to second-guess anything Dan Campbell does. But I think we all kind of are doing that. In the third quarter, uh, you go with uh, the fake punt. And I uh, might have said some very terse words in front of my mother for the first time ever um, (laughs) when that took place. Uh, You know, you're talking about your own 23-yard line, again, in the third quarter. And you're fighting tooth and nail with a team you're favored to beat. Uh, Long story short, uh, Reeves-Maven, the attempt is unsuccessful. Uh, a few plays later, Jordan Love throws that 16-yard touchdown strike uh, to Christian Watson again. What else is new? Uh, lo and behold, the Packers up at that point, 29-14. Now, I think we have seen the Lions go for it time and time again on fourth down. They did it five times on Thanksgiving Day. Um, to me, you could easily read into that, Jamie, that you know Dan Campbell has faith in his team being able to execute. But listen... Sometimes, sometimes, discretion is the better part of valor. Am I wrong? No, no, absolutely not. I'm looking at, I think the defense has most of the questions right now, and Alex Anzalone now is going to be out for, quote, a little bit, and he's the leading tackler. Yeah, that hurts. Uh, I I truly appreciate uh, the way Alex Anzalone has played uh, this season throughout, and you know, it's wonderful chatting with him from time to time because he's a Monday regular on the album show here on WJR and tells it the way it is, and uh, his absence uh, will be missed. I think on Alliance defense, uh, that is a little more porous than I would like it to be uh, because, again, you talk about trends, Jamie. You, you, you're lucky to get away with that 31-26 win over the Bears. Then before that, you give up 38 to the Chargers. Right. Then you give up 29 in the loss to the Packers. 
Um, I think the uh, secondary continues to be soft. Look, the first play of the game against the Packers, that ball should have been fair caught. It had so much air under it. 53 yards to Christian Watson in a double coverage. Can't have it. Right. And they, they're not getting any takeaways. That was part of Dan Campbell's press conference today, too. Like, they turned the ball over seven times in two games, and they haven't got – well, they've gotten one takeaway over that stretch. So that's and, not a good ratio. And then you add to that a very, very non-consistent pass rush. And all that does is potentially magnify any weaknesses you may have uh, in your secondary. Uh, more concern as we look forward – to what the Lions have going on. All of a sudden, the remaining schedule may be a little bit more difficult uh, than it was two or three weeks ago. Uh, Sunday, they'll be in New Orleans to face the Saints. Uh, right now, the Saints have a little something-something to play for. Although they're 5-6, and six, Jamie, uh, they're in a first-place tie in the NFC South with the Atlanta Falcons. So, uh, you know, fasten up the chin strap because, uh, you know, you get the impression the Saints will show up. Right, and they have something to play for. And then you play Denver. Denver's been on a winning streak. Yeah, uh, Sean Payton is uh, pushing the right buttons right there. All of a sudden. Oh, Chicago. Uh, Sorry, Steve. Chicago after the Saints, then Denver. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you talk about the Bears, you know, you're on the road. Uh, the Bears are woeful at 3-8. Uh, and eight. Uh, But you bring the Broncos into the conversation. Uh, and it's worth noting, they are 6-5 and five all of a sudden. And the nightmare that was Russell Wilson's season a year ago um, is starting to go away. Yeah, people counted him out. Now look. Well, and now you've also got the Vikings, who are in action tonight. Monday night football against the uh, aforementioned Bears. Um, Josh Dobbs uh, has been doing some pretty darn good things. Uh, replacing Kirk Cousins, um, the Vikings uh, are a six and five team as well. They're hanging around. Then you throw the Cowboys into the equation. That'll be an eight fifteen kick on December thirtieth uh, in Dallas, uh, and they got it going on. They're eight and three. So all of a sudden, my point is this: don't take the schedule for granted. A hundred percent. Yeah, it gets tough. And if you're vying for one of the top spots in the NFC, Dallas is right up there. So you're going to compete with them. The Eagles, I mean, what happened with the um, Bills? The Bills, Ooh. come on. Boy, I'll tell you what. You talk about opportunity after opportunity uh, last night. And uh, the Bills just can't get it done right now. And, you know, I think their defense put them uh, in a situation to win. Uh, but yet... Um, Nick Sirianni, the uh, head coach of the Eagles, said coming out of halftime, look, we've got some veteran guys who know how to win, and uh, we're not done. And they certainly weren't uh, getting the W over the Bills, who now uh, find themselves uh, pretty much on the outside looking in as far as the postseason, which is kind of crazy because going in, uh, you talk about a team in Super Bowl conversation, that would have been the Bills. Yeah, I mean, what a disappointment for Josh Allen and the Bills, but the Eagles continue to impress, and they're the top of the NFC right now. All right. One it's loss. A, yeah. Well, you know what? That would have helped out uh, the Honolulu Blue and Silver. Uh, right. Had, had the uh, Bills been able to pull that out like they could have, but uh, what are you going to do? It will be the Lions and Saints in New Orleans, 1 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, at last look, your Lions installed as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. 
uh, don't go away. Lots to converse about in the world of college football, the game. Uh, decided once again in A squared. Pretty much the same result as uh, Wolverine fans have gotten used to. And there are changes afoot in East Lansing with your Spartans. That and more as we continue with the sports book right here on 760 WJR. All right, welcome back into the sports book right here on 760 WJR. Always a pleasure spending Monday nights with you all. Uh, I got to tell you there, Jim, uh, what an atmosphere it was at beautiful Ford Field on Black Friday night uh, when the Spartans were hosting the Penn State Nittany Lions. Now, the result of the game uh, was not uh, was not good with the Nittany Lions getting that 42 nothing win over the green and white. Um, I would assume, some would say, uh, somewhat expected because of the season uh, that the Spartans had. Uh, and it didn't take long, as we found out, uh, that there is a new sheriff in town, Jonathan Smith, uh, who has changed the uh, uh, outcomes there at Oregon State. Uh, he was named as the 26th head coach in the illustrious history of Michigan State football. And uh, that being said, Jamie, again, uh, I cannot stress this enough. What a wonderful job Harlan Barnett did, and uh, to that degree, the staff, in keeping things together in uh, what was just an incredibly, incredibly challenging season. Yeah, I mean, Harlan Barnett did his best. They didn't have this mass exodus to the portal. They all stayed together. They all said the right things. But overall, a really tough season for Michigan State. And then Alan Haller releases everyone on the football staff after that shutout to Penn State. And then, like, during the game of Michigan-Ohio State comes word that Michigan State hired Jonathan Smith. Well, it was being uh, bandied about uh, Friday night outside of Fort Field. And, uh uh, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Smith was the odds-on favorite, of course, uh, which certainly proved to be true. I mean, this dude has a pretty darn good resume, named the 2022 Pac-12 Coach of the Year, uh, truly bringing the Beavers of Oregon State uh, back into the uh, national conversation. Um, and when you take a look at what has been going on with expansion in college football, you know, Jonathan Smith, you know, he played quarterback at Oregon State. That's his alma mater. And when you're a football coach, that's always the best, uh, you know, being able to coach where you played. But the fact of the matter is uh, Oregon State, Washington State, now uh, the two illustrious members of the Pac-2. And you have Michigan State with uh, a tremendous uh, uh, venue, uh, some wonderful bells and whistles, there's a couple of bucks involved, I'm sure. Um, but you're talking about one of the preeminent conferences in college sport. So he uh, he's all on board. Yeah, I think he's impressive. He is a program builder. When he took over at Oregon State, they were 1-11, and he took them – you know, to a place where they had winning seasons, where they were bowl eligible, where he was co-Pac-12 player, I mean, coach of the year. So I think that's good for Michigan State because they're clearly in rebuilding mode. And there are reports that he's already met with the team and he's trying to build trust. Yeah, he is officially going to be introduced uh, at high noon tomorrow. And uh, we certainly welcome uh, Coach Smith, his wife, Candice, and his uh, children, Robert, Bella, and Charles to East Lansing. Uh, 
there's uh, other things uh, to discuss in this regard, and it's kind of a, uh, a change. You know, he has no ties to MSU. He's just the third coach since Clarence Biggie Munn was hired from Syracuse way back in 1947, who has neither coached or played in East Lansing. Others, Daryl Rogers in 1976, and a uh, somewhat similar-sounding guy, John L. Smith, in 2003, E. those were dark days. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, you mentioned the transfer portal. And uh, according to everything I've read, Jonathan Smith is the transfer portal guru. Uh, but uh, where Harlan Barnett uh, did some pretty darn good things, keeping this team intact, um, there was some hits today. As a matter of fact, Richard Freshman's uh, quarterback, Kaden Hauser, uh, says he is going to answer the uh, enter the transfer portal when it opens on December 4th. Uh, ditto for graduate linebacker Darius Snow. Then the offensive line, Jamie, uh, taking some hits. Redshirt senior tackle Spencer Brown, uh, redshirt sophomore tackle Ethan Boyd, and redshirt sophomore guard uh, Kevin Wigginton, uh, all saying they will do the same. That being said, uh, both Boyd and Wigginton are open to staying uh, with the green and white uh, with their new offensive line coach, Jim uh, Mischerzik. I hope I'm getting that name correctly. We'll work on that as the season progresses, the name. Meet him soon enough. So, you know (laughs) what, I think this is just the the way college athletics goes right now. Uh, The transfer portal is not going anywhere, and you're going to have kids jumping in. uh, And then, as we've seen before uh, with some others, uh, they opt out. So Charles Brantley, uh, young DB with the Spartans, entered the transfer portal before the season and then uh, withdrew his name. So uh, not a whole lot you can do. No, but the transfer portal taketh and uh, giveth. I mean, Smith can go in there and bring people and change this program around pretty quickly because of the transfer portal. So who knows? Yeah, we uh, shall see. Meanwhile, the game uh, played saturday in a squared and uh things went very well for the jim harbaugh wolverines rod moore's pick in michigan territory with 25 seconds left got him the 30 24 win over the ohio state buckeyes uh the third straight year uh that the wolverines uh able to get on the winning side of the ledger against their arch rivals and uh listen uh, not sitting well at all in Columbus. As a matter of fact, uh, during the tilt, uh, there were some overtures that Texas A&M uh, had some interest in Ryan Day. Uh, you know, you certainly get the impression uh, with another loss to Michigan that uh, Buckeye Nation was footing the bill for the U-Haul in front of Day's house. But so far, uh, he is still the head coach there of Ohio State. I mean, yeah, we're not listening to Columbus Radio, though, either. Maybe they're furious because he's 1-3 and three against Michigan, but pretty darn good overall. Well, Ryan Day now, 1-3 and three against his arch rivals. Uh, keep in mind, Ohio State had won 8 straight and 15 of 16 against Michigan, including a 7-0 and mark posted uh, by the one and only Urban Meyer. Uh, so uh, fate certainly uh, has changed in that regard. And then it was interesting uh, it always is when Jim Harbaugh holds court. Uh, you know, obviously, this Michigan-Ohio State rivalry, Jamie, if you're going to 
summarize it with a word, and I know it's a strong word, but hate would certainly come to mind. And Jim Harbaugh uh, said uh, that, well, he said this. I'm not going to go as far as to say contrived, but it is hyped up to no ends. And these are student athletes that are young kids, young adults that are playing this game. And all we ask them to do is go out there and play their best. I think it's a very manufactured for the TV show that people want to watch and see. Well, Where is this coming from? I mean, everyone knows they're arch rivals. They don't say each other's names. I mean, Ohio State crosses out the M's. Michigan won't say they'll say the school from Ohio. Like, it's definitely a thing. So where is this coming from? I, You know, uh, I think it was on Sunday he, he went back. And I agree with Jim Harbaugh on this regard that, uh, you know, we've got NIL. Okay. Uh, but college athletics in particular, football and basketball, are bringing in billions of dollars. And Jim Harbaugh is still saying that, you know, this revenue has got to be split uh, with the players. And uh, I, I, I agree with him on that. But here's the thing. You want a rivalry, and Michigan has one certainly, not only with the Ohio State Buckeyes, but with the Spartans uh, right up the road. There's no doubt about it. Um, and it gets ugly from time to time. And I said after the uh, tunnel deal a couple of years ago, you want a rivalry, you got one. And, uh, you know, I don't think uh, it's manufactured. I think this is what goes on uh, over a period of time. And, uh, you know, obviously the Michigan-Ohio State game has had its place in in lore forever and ever. It is not going to change. It is not manufactured. Uh, This is uh, something that people circle on their calendars year in and year out when the college football schedule comes out. Right, and so do the players. I mean, even Blake Corum said since he didn't get to play in this game last year, he wanted to come back for a senior season and play on it. It's a thing. People care. It's just a weird talking point, I think, for him today, Jim Harbaugh. You know, to be honest with you, Jim, you know, as I was watching uh, that tilt, I actually, for quite a bit of time, forgot about the whole sign-stealing thing because yeah. I was just enjoying watching the game. Uh, and are we through this thing yet? You know, officially, Jim Harbaugh has served the three-game suspension. He is going to be able to come back on the sideline uh, against the Iowa Hawkeyes in the Big Ten Championship game come Saturday. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, perhaps a little bit of lighter fluid on the open flame, former Michigan linebackers coach Chris Partridge released a statement today disputing claims about why he was fired. He was let go on November 17th amid the investigation uh, by the NCAA uh, into that uh, former Michigan staffer. We all know who he is. Uh, Partridge posted on X, formerly known as Twitter, that he had no knowledge of Stallion's sign-stealing scheme and that he was fired for breach of policy regarding the investigation. Uh, The quote here, as explained to me by Michigan Athletic Director Ward Manuel in person, on the morning of November 17, 2023, and as set forth in my termination letter of the same date, signed by Michigan Athletics Chief of Staff, I was terminated because of a failure to abide by the university directive not to discuss an ongoing NCAA investigation with anyone associated with the Michigan football program. Partridge also denied reports that he destroyed evidence related to the investigation and that he is extremely disappointed 
in the university's decision to end his employment. Now, wait a minute. What? You know, <laughs> there's a lot going on here. And, you know, I, I, I know Ward Manuel. Uh, I know, uh, you know, he's a by-the-letter guy. So my question becomes to uh, Chris Partridge, after they've disseminated all this information, and I can't even tell you, you know, the information that they disseminated. I, I wasn't there. But why would they fire him if everything Partridge is saying is true? I don't get it. I know these are certainly contradictory things. I would think that they fired him for a reason. So I'm more apt to believe the university to protect themselves. They found something on Savior or the NCAA did, so they got rid of him. Well, the decision, by the way, to fire Partridge came after uh, Michigan decided to drop its legal battle with the Big Ten Conference and – Again, Coach Harbaugh's three-game suspension is over. Now, listen, when you know this came out that Partridge was let go, the immediate reaction was, well, there you go. Um, obviously, there was a little writing on the wall that maybe Ward Manuel and the University of Michigan uh, saw through. Maybe there's more. I don't know. Um, but uh, for Chris Partridge to be making this statement, I'm sure he's disappointed. Um but uh, there has to be a little bit more substance to the whole darn thing, if you ask me. I agree. There's something, as the kids say, more, more. There you go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that, more, more. <laughs> uh, we do have more, more uh, coming up for you. Oh, the did I mention the Pistons are playing the Washington Wizards right now? Um, and since we last spoke uh, last Monday, it hasn't gotten any better for the Pistons, James. Things are looking much better for the Red Wings. We'll talk about that, college hoops as well, all that and more as we continue with the sports book here on 760 WJR. All right, the sports book continues here on WJR. As I mentioned before the break, uh, your Pistons are in action at LCA. Um, end of the first quarter, the Wizards up 31-27. Um, just get to it here. The uh, Pistons now have lost 13 in a row. And you would think, Jamie, that if something was going to break here, it would be tonight against the Wizards because both the Pistons and Wizards are 2-14. and 14. Did we lose Jamie somewhere along the way? Oh, well. Uh, yeah, uh, you would think that uh, that here. would be the Okay, there you are. Uh <laughs> I press um, mute, guys. I press mute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it still happens. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but back to the Pistons. You would think yeah. there they are on the home floor. They and the Wizards, who they're playing tonight, are both 2-14. and 14. The Pistons would love to end the 13-game win streak. Can they make it happen? I hope so. I mean, that would be at least good for morale. My question is, who is sitting in the stands for this game? For this team. <laughs> it's just gotten to a point where, you know, I, I, I want them to be good. Uh, I, I, I think Monty Williams is the guy. But listen, when you get to a point of losing 13 in a row, that's not good for uh, chemistry 
of this young team in any way, shape, or form. And uh, I hope, as we're having this chat, James, that, uh, you know, there's not a little bit of uh, finger-pointing, infighting, because uh, none of that is good. And, and, and some, I'm sure, are still under the impression <clears throat> that it's growing pains. Well, listen, you got to get to getting here. Yeah, I mean, does he have the talent? I don't think he has the supporting cast. I still believe in Cade Cunningham. I think Monty Williams is just sort of feeling things out right now to see what he has. Well, it is um, bad to the degree that I don't think anybody anticipated uh, the Pistons' plight being this bad. Um, You know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe those who are in the know uh, would say, well, you know what, Uh, they're without – uh, Bogdanovich, and they've got some other injury issues. Uh, but you've got uh, Cade Cunningham. He's averaging 35.7 minutes per game, healthy, uh, averaging 22 points a game. Jalen Duran uh, averaging 12.7. Uh, Jaden Ivey, uh, 12 and a half. I mean, look, you know, you've got some uh, uh, folks uh, in the media anyway saying that uh, Jaden Ivey's been somewhat of a disappointment. Uh, you got a young guy, uh, the rookie, Asar Thompson. Averaging 11.1. My point is, and my question, technically, Jamie, with this team as young as it is, as they go through the season, maybe after the first of the year, does the light bulb go off and they start rattling off five, six wins in a row? I think that's a possibility for sure. Once they buy in, they get their injured players back, I think wins beget wins, too. If they could just get a couple, maybe we could see here what they could do. The over-under for this season is 25 and a half. We are at two. <laughs> so They got some work to do. There's no question. Uh, on a brighter note, a much brighter note, uh, the Red Wings, since the uh, two losses uh, in the trip to Sweden, uh, they've turned it around a little bit. Red Wings now with a three-game win streak coming off the impressive 4-1 win over the Minnesota Wild at LCA yesterday. Uh, the Red Wings will have a challenge. They have an appointment with the 15-3-1 Rangers at Madison Square Garden, 7.30 on Wednesday night. But, you know, we've discussed Alex Dabrinkit, uh, and it's looking better and better. He is first among players on a new team in goals with 12, and I'm not done. JT Comfer, he is also in the top five in that category. And to be honest with you, I didn't even know what was a category. Uh, goal scorers with new teams. Comfer with four goals, 13 assists. The Red Wings right now, Jamie, 11, 6, and 3, 25 points. Uh, good enough for third in the Atlantic Division. How about that? Yeah, nice turnaround coming back from Sweden. And also David Perron has been hot, too. He had three goals recently, and one of which is his 300th for his career. So, good. Let's get the puck in the back of the net and see what can happen. Again, Wings and Rangers. That'll be a a dandy. uh, 7.30 on Wednesday night. College Hoops, uh, interesting conversation uh, with Magnum TI Tom Izzo on JR Mornings this morning there, Jamie. And, uh, yeah, you could tell, a little bit disappointed. Uh, his uh, Spartans, nationally acclaimed going into this season, find themselves at 3-3. Three and three. Uh, Once again, a victim of a slow start uh, Thanksgiving night in California. Uh, they 
trailed then number three Arizona by 15 in the first half. Uh, you, you you just can't have it. Uh, and we have seen the Spartan team start slow uh, a few games into this young season. Yeah, Steve, absolutely. Um, absolutely, yeah, I agree with you. You know, State tra- uh, trailed by 10 points at halftime. Uh, we're down 8, 61-53 with less than 10 minutes in the game. And then in uh, true Spartan fashion, they actually took the lead uh, in the second half, only to have the Wildcats go on an 8-0 run and uh, separate themselves to uh, get the win. Uh, yeah. And that's what uh, Izzo said. He just tells it the way it is. He says, look, he's not a big fan of comebacks. Comebacks are for losers. you got to establish <laughs> uh, in, in, in the thing right off the get-go, and that's what he'd like to see. It'll start, hopefully, uh, 6.30 tomorrow night at the beautiful Breslin Center. Uh, the Spartans playing host to... The Georgia Southern Eagles out of the Sun, uh, Sun Belt Conference. Uh, the Eagles, quite frankly, have struggled. They are 0-6. Izzo this morning was saying that he thought Arizona was the best team they faced so far. But I think once you get into December, these moral victories where they, they learned a lot but still lost aren't going to fly. Well, I think, uh, you know, you talk about trends. Um, A.J. Hogard, remember a couple of ball games ago, uh, he actually said, uh, uh, "Is look if I don't start playing better, you got to bench me." Uh, he had 15 points in the second half to finish with 15. Uh, Tyson Walker uh, just doing what Tyson Walker does: 18 points uh, to lead the Spartans. Jaden Akins appears to be waking up a little bit. He had 12 points. Uh, so we'll see if this team puts it all together. You know, I not overly concerned. Uh, I think there's some folks that are that are disappointed. Um, but maybe it's just uh, part of the typical uh, Izzo process. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think they learn a lot in these early games, and he schedules it this way, so they learn a lot. So I thought the freshmen looked pretty good. They weren't intimidated by playing the number three team in the country, so that's good. All right, now uh, the Michigan basketball Wolverines, four and three, in this campaign, they are going to be at Oregon, 3:30 on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Wolverines coming off the 73-57 loss to Texas Tech in Nassau, the Bahamas, all part of the battle for Atlantis. So, uh, uh, Juwan Howard, by the way, is on the bench. He went through the medical procedure, uh, still looking at a target date, perhaps after the first of the year, to be a full-time part of that Wolverine bench, Jamie, and we certainly wish him well. Of course, of course. We want him to be well and come back, but they're in good hands while he recovers. All right. In the time we have left, which isn't uh, a whole lot, you know what we do. We talk about the upcoming Monday night matchup, the 3-8 and eight Bears. Ugh. On the road to face the 6-5 and five Vikings, Josh Dobbs having some success. There's no doubt about it in case you're wondering. The Vikings favored by a mere three. We'll talk about that when we return. It's 760 WJR. Yeah, and once again, consider this your open invitation to join myself and my partner, Jamie, uh, from Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. We will be doing this program uh, from there, from that wonderful place, coming up on Monday night, December 11th. Uh, It'd be nice to have uh, some folks out. 
they may have to elbow you off the Wheel of Fortune game, but that's another story for another time. <laughs> Can we just set up right next door to the Wheel of Fortune? Uh, you know what? Knowing our uh, crack engineering crew, uh, that would be... That would be pretty entertaining, if you ask me, to have a, uh, you know, 100-foot mic cord uh, all, the, all the way out to your Wheel of Fortune game. I don't see why it can't happen, for crying out loud. Um, Steve, did you hear the story about uh, Carolina, of course, parted ways with head coach Frank Reich after just 11 games? Who do you think is an odds-on favorite to go there? Um... Well, I think about that. Uh, sad that uh, Deuce Daly uh, was also let go. Remember, made quite a name for himself last year with the Honolulu Blue and Silver. And for family reasons, and nobody could fault him, uh, he went to Carolina and uh, uh, he was let go as well. All right, yeah. now back to your original question. Well, the answer is Jim Harbaugh, by the way. Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh are the odds on favorites. You know, I. You know, that whole Patriot thing, it's going to be great. Look, Belichick's got to go. There's no question about that. Um, But you read this stuff that, you know, the Patriots are going to try and work out a trade for him, uh, which there's precedent. There have been coaching trades in the National Football League, and I think if memory serves, Belichick was involved in one. But it's going to be interesting to see what goes on there. And I think any NFL opening, from now until doomsday, Jim Harbaugh's name is going to be associated with it. I but the agree. O- I don't even know if they, you know, people in the NFL want him to return, but his name continues to be brought up. And it will, uh, always. Uh, but the owner of the Panthers, uh, Tepper, um, uh, he was heard uh, even before their latest loss, uh, dropping an F-bomb, and he wasn't too pleased. So, the fact that Reich uh, was given the heave-ho, uh, really no shock to those who follow the Panthers. It has been um, not fun to watch, and Lord knows we've been there. Yeah, but I think 11 games, that that's pretty soon to fire someone. I think uh, when you're the owner and you have a track record of dropping F-bombs as it relates to your football team... <laughs> It was going to happen sooner rather than later. Uh, meanwhile, in the land of 10,000 lakes, uh, you've got the 6-5 and five Purple People Eaters. Uh, the Vikings playing host to the 3-8 and eight Bears. You know what? It's going to be interesting, James, to see uh, how this Bears team under Coach Eberflus responds to blowing uh, that game against the Lions. Look, they had a 12-point lead with roughly three minutes left. And right. uh, they take gas. Uh, that's a lot to overcome. It is. But in the NFL, what do you say? They have to have short memories. And this is a completely different game. Well, look, the Vikings, uh, they were all the rage a year ago. Uh, they won all 11 games uh, that were decided by eight points or fewer. Uh, the Vikings are doing it again. Uh, they are five and five in this campaign uh, in games decided by one score. As a matter of fact, their head coach Kevin O'Connell has had one score decisions in 22 of 29 games since he's been the head coach in Minnesota, and that includes playoffs. What's the chances of that? That's that's like uh, you know having to uh, 
get stock in Maylocks for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dan Campbell says this all the time that it's, you know, every week is different. You can't just assume things. And that's true for the team, the best teams in the league and, you know, the teams that aren't playing that well. So you never know. No, you uh, never, never know. But it is a critical game. It would be certainly nice if the uh, Bears were able to uh, put a little something together and get a win because, you know, with Josh Dobbs, uh, between he and Cousins, by the way, they have combined for 22 touchdown passes to seven receivers. By the way, the Vikings, the only team uh, in the league with four players with at least three receiving touchdowns each. So uh, there you have it. And I like the way this jo- uh, Josh Dobbs goes about his business. And th- doesn't he have, like, some insane degree Yes, he does. He's like an aerospace engineer, I believe. And so since he's having success, by the way, they're calling him the pastronaut. Um, you know, people in STEM, educators and students are excited about it. So I think that's cute. Yeah, he's got uh, a, a crazy good academic resume. Uh, by the way, uh, last food for thought, the Bears have a 12-game losing streak against the NFC North. They are three-point underdogs to the Vikings tonight in Minnesota. All right, that's going to wrap it up there, Jane. Uh, what do you say we just uh, go ahead and do it again next week? I'll see you there, Steve. All right, looking forward to it. Uh, for everybody involved, Dan, Parker, back at the station, uh, appreciate the help as always. And thank you to you for tuning into the sports book here on 760 WJR.